Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Goh. Hello everyone, welcome to our final episode of season one of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, Peter Goh. Excited to close out the season here. David, uh, you're here again today. Uh, How are you doing today? Pretty good. I'm excited to wrap up the season, but I'm also excited to get the next season started. We're going to look at improving some of the aspects of the podcast. Of course, we're going to try to uh, bring some of the same content as well as adding some new content and maybe some new aspects, new segments too in the podcast. And then even adding things like listener support, if you guys uh, feel so inclined to support our podcast, I actually have that already enabled for this episode. So if you would like to support our podcast, uh, we spend a decent amount of time on this podcast to make sure that we produce good content for you guys. Uh, So if you would like to support, you can just click one of the links that we have in the episode notes. Um, And if not, that's certainly okay, but uh, we will be adding some aspects and I'm excited to get started, especially as the season begins, hopefully on time this upcoming year. We're not exactly sure what that will look like, especially with the prospect of increased vaccinations for the players and for the managers and coaches, Uh, but we'll see. We don't really know exactly what the season will look like. We don't really know what anything will look like in a few months, but we're excited to start this new season. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Season one was really a big success for us. Started out middle of middle of the year and really uh, accumulated over a thousand views. Uh, so we couldn't be happier with that. Uh, coming across seven different countries as well. Um, so just really cool to see the reach uh, of people that we've been able to connect with uh, and reach through the podcast. So yeah, as we look forward to the next season, we hope to, like David said, add some new uh, different segments as well as bring on some new guests. And we're always open to ideas. We'd love to hear from you on some things that you'd like to see or even guests that you'd like to have on there. Um, We certainly are open to that and would love to hear that from you. You can uh, tweet us at Brewers Podcast, probably the best way to get a hold of us. But appreciate all the support that you guys have given us in this first season. And we're excited to start season two, which will be coming out in January. So before we move on to uh, our topics today, today's trivia question is, who is the Brewers all-time leader in batting average. So this is all-time as a brewer. Uh, This is according to baseball reference. So be thinking of that uh, as we go through the podcast. And as always, we will cover the answer at the end. Today, we're actually going to shake things up a little bit. We are going to have the random player of the day at the beginning of the podcast. And today's random player is not very random. Mike Caldwell, one of the greatest pitchers in franchise history, actually. I believe he ranks in the top five in Brewers history in innings pitched um, in ERA, minimum of about 500 innings. He actually was a runner-up in the Cy Young voting in 1978. That was kind of the Brewers' breakout year. They had had eight straight losing seasons and then won, I think, over 90 games in 1978. Missed the playoffs since it was just each division winner that made the playoffs. Caldwell was a big reason, though, that they had such success in 78. His age 29 season had a 2.36 ERA in 293 innings and finished 23 games, 23 complete games that Mike Caldwell threw. That led the league and is, unsurprisingly, a Brewers franchise record. Yeah, don't see that one uh, being broken anytime soon. (laughs) Yeah, it would be kind of fun to see that, but I don't think that we will see it, of course. Uh, And he was a member of the 82 team. He was one of their best pitchers, and he threw a complete game shutout in Game 1 of the World Series against the Cardinals. 
one of the probably the best games in Brewers franchise history. Molitor had five hits, and they won 10-0 in St. Louis to get out to an early series lead. Yeah, that complete game shutout in the World Series. I can't imagine there's too many of those. Of course, dating back time, uh, complete games were more common, but still, complete game shutout, uh, certainly... Not a small feat any day of the week, but especially in the World Series. Mm -hmm. Very impressive from Caldwell. I think the last pitcher to do that was Johnny Cueto in Game 2 of the 2015 World Series. I know you wouldn't think yeah. that it was really that recent, but then again, the Royals were not at all a modern baseball team yeah. compared to some of the contemporary teams that we've seen have success. And they were able to ride Cueto and their bullpen, essentially, yeah. along with their um, outstanding defense and speed. They were, yeah, that was a fun team to watch. It was, yeah. And of course... Brewers written all over there with Escobar, Kane, Mike Moustakis. Yep. Uh, they the connections there were Yost. quite strong, and yeah, yeah and even Yost and Swain manager. was a coach. Yeah. Uh, so of course a lot of Brewer influence on that team, but uh, they were a fun team. And Mike Caldwell is today's random player of the day, and also moving to a little bit more of a somber note. But Phil Negro, uh, former Milwaukee Braves pitcher and Hall of Famer. One of actually, I think, the top 10 greatest pitchers of all time passed away Sunday. He was 81 years old. Uh, but we're just going to take a little bit of a look back at his career. I don't think people realize how great of a pitcher Phil Necro was. Um, he produced 96 wins above replacement, according to baseball reference. But even beyond wins above replacement, he threw more innings than anyone in baseball history who was born after 1887. I was just reading a book yesterday, uh, coincidentally, that was talking about how much success Phil Necro had in his career and how much he was able to pitch. He retired at age 48, and in his age 47 season, he threw 210 innings. And that was probably about the 15th highest innings total of his career. Uh, he just had an ability to throw innings and innings, especially because of the durability that he built up um, with throwing the knuckleball, which helped a lot, of course. Um, and he didn't even pitch a complete major league season until 1967, which was his age 28 season. Uh, so Negro was able to make up for the lost ground by pitching very late into his career and did debut with the Milwaukee Braves, like I had mentioned. He threw 342 innings in 1979, probably his best year, um, had a 3.39 ERA, but he finished close to the top of the Cy Young race numerous times, won a few gold gloves, um, five-time all-star, five-time gold glove, of course, in the Hall of Fame storied career. And unfortunately, we've seen a lot of legends pass away this year, partly because of COVID-19, but also other circumstances. Negro joins Lou Brock, Tom Seaver, Bob Gibson, Al Kaline, Whitey Ford, and Joe Morgan all passing this year. So quite a list. Of course, not, not a very good thing to see that a lot of Hall of Famers have passed this year. Uh, but I think it's important and Interesting to look back at the careers and the impacts they had on the game of baseball. Negro with that knuckleball is kind of uh, kind of the poster boy, the poster child of the knuckleball. Of course, more recently, we've seen R.A. Dickey and Tim Wakefield master it, but there really aren't any knuckleball pitchers, and I'm curious to see if it comes back. Negro, probably the best to ever do it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Negro is very underrated. I will have to admit, even before uh, the news on Sunday of his, of his passing, I didn't even realize how good of a pitcher Negro was, but like you said, just the the sheer amount of in innings that Negro was able to amass over his career was really spectacular and something that likely uh, we may not see be matched again. Uh, of course, the way the game's going, it's likely that way. Who knows what the future holds, but uh, incredible career from Negro and like you said, starting in Milwaukee as well. So just a quick uh, note there on MLB news. Um, 
moving to a, uh, a much more lighthearted topic uh, with the upcoming inauguration and transfer of power in uh, the U.S., we thought it would be good to uh, take a look at some of the best baseball tweets from our current president, Donald Trump. Uh, of course, uh, a, uh, an interesting character and always very interesting twi uh, tweets that he provides as well. Um, and he doesn't shy away from uh, baseball, whether it's uh, second-guessing managerial decisions uh, or even just uh, being extra hard on Alex Rodriguez. We, we found out that he's apparently not a big fan of A-Rod, as we will get into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I feel like they would have, they, they have kind of similar personalities, maybe. Uh, and so that's probably why they don't get along. And yeah. of course, um, A-Rod probably stole some of the limelight that Trump was getting in New York City. I don't think Trump would take too kindly to someone stealing uh, some of his popularity in New York City. But either way, I'm still surprised at how much he bashed A-Rod repeatedly during his tenure with the Yankees. Yeah, both polarizing individuals. And uh, Trump, I mean, we were just scrolling through some of Trump's uh, baseball tweets and came across so many of, uh, of Trump bashing on A-Rod. Uh, one of his tweets back from 2013, uh, Trump said, A-Rod's salary is more than the entire Astros. Half the players on the Astros will have better seasons than him. A-Rod is a joke, with the classic exclamation mark at the end. Mm -hmm. And this year that Trump tweeted this, actually, the Astros lost 111 games. So maybe this is a bold take, but I, I don't think half of the players had better seasons uh, than A-Rod. Um, but of course, Trump, I guess, is entitled to his own opinion, <laughs> even if they're bad. Yeah, Trump Trump goes on, uh, on again on A-Rod. Also in 2013, his tweet said, Druggy A-Rod, at MLB's biggest fraud, is lucky George Steinbrenner is no longer with us. At Yankees would have voided his contract. Uh, I'm not sure if he fully understands how Major League contracts work, uh, but probably not in the best interest for the Yankees to void that contract in 2013. Uh, I, I guess I don't know exactly A-Rod's stats in his uh, final years with the Yankees, but definitely not as bad as Trump makes it out to be. Mm -hmm. um, Trump, uh, also in 2013, really was going off on, on A-Rod of that year. <laughs> yeah. uh, he said, at Yankees, Kevin Euclid is off to a ter terrific start. He's less than half the price and a much better player than a drug-free A-Rod. He's also apparently a good walker, as we all know from, from Moneyball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excellent walker. Actually, a couple nights ago, I had a dream that I was talking with Kevin Euclid. Which, yeah, which, which happens probably more often than you would expect. <laughs> I was talking with Andy Pettit and Kevin Euclid in my dream. Yeah, that's so, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty common. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that happened, but looks like it uh, resurfaced now a couple days later, talking about Kevin Euclid, of course. I would be curious to see Euclid's 2013 year versus A-Rod's, if there was any uh, substance to uh, what what Trump was saying. But my guess is that he just kind of threw that out there after it. maybe Euclid had a... Uh, a three for four game or something yeah <laughs> or an o for, o for o game with four yeah. walks yeah yeah we do have one dating back to 2012 uh trump said a rod at yankees had hip surgery and will be out six months do you notice all the quote druggies have bad hips not not sure uh where to go on that one yeah all i can say is uh trump must not be a druggie after seeing him dance to ymca at his political <laughs> rallies um it's on the hips yeah i'm not exactly sure what the evidence is that the druggies have the bad hips probably just a rod maybe maybe some another another player that he probably tweeted about before um had bad hips and was a <laughs> druggie um apparently yeah kind of a an odd thing to tweet not like trump is uh is known for tweeting things that aren't odd by any means uh, but of course a rod isn't the only thing that he has tweeted opinions about he's also questioned a lot of managerial decisions 
Uh, the most notable one probably during the World Series in 2018 when he tweeted, Watching the Dodgers-Red Sox final innings. It is amazing how a manager takes out a pitcher who is loose and dominating through almost seven innings, Rich Hill of Dodgers, and brings in nervous relievers who get shellacked, four-run lead gone. Managers do it all the time. Big mistake. Uh, so I remember this one actually coming up in my Twitter feed, and I, I thought it was fake because I was like, I was watching the game, and I'm like, why would Donald Trump be tweeting about yeah. Rich Hill? Oh, I, I, I think I'd, I'd feel accomplished if Trump tweeted about me, <laughs> even if I was Dave Roberts. Uh, it'd be, it's kind of funny. I, I would not like to see Donald Trump manage a baseball team. I don't think that'd go very well. Uh, but I, I thought that tweet was kind of funny, especially given the circumstances. And he was right in that they took him out. But of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yeah, I, I definitely would like to see the Rays uh, bring in Trump as their new manager, take over for Kevin Cash. Maybe he could yeah. uh, make better decisions at yeah. late, uh, leaving Snell in the game. Yeah, that that would be interesting, especially with uh, people that they call the, the front office puppets. Yeah, uh, I don't know if Trump would like that. Probably not. I, and I don't think he, if he did get a managerial, managerial job, he probably wouldn't end up with the Rays. Just, yeah. just a guess. Yeah. Uh, and then he also tweeted in 2014, in Game 7 of the World Series tonight, the Giants are making a big mistake in not starting their ace against KC, even with two days rest. And of course, Trump was tweeting about Madison Bumgarner. Bumgarner started Game 5 of that series, and that was the greatest series of all time by a pitcher. Bumgarner, of course, ended up closing out that game. So it ended up working out for the Giants. The Giants started Tim Hudson that game. Hard to believe that he was starting a World yeah. Series game in just 2014. Feels like a while since he retired. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Affelt came in relief for uh, for Hudson. And then Bumgarner closed out the last five innings allowed. I think it was only two hits. Yeah, and, that was crazy. and they won 4-3. So he was able to pitch on two days rest, five innings, I think almost 70 pitches. Yeah, that just cemented Bumgarner's playoff legacy and World Series legacy. That was an incredible run uh, by Bumgarner and the Giants. Fun World Series to watch and, and really just domination from somebody who had a very good career but uh, was definitely at, at, at the point of his career right there uh, in the World Series. So fun series to watch and, and Trump enjoyed that as well. Uh, Trump also does have some takes on the Hall of Fame. We've covered that a few times uh, in this season of our podcast. Uh, sharing that, quote, Kurt Schilling deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Great record, especially when under pressure and when it mattered most. Do what everyone in baseball knows is right. And he tagged, uh, who was that? Mark Levin, who is um, a, a show host in New York City, I believe. Uh, also, I don't know why he capitalized baseball in the end. Not that it really matters. I'm just... Curious, probably just autocorrected on his, his grammar is not yeah. always, not always yeah. on, on point. But. Yeah, um, but I mean, I would I would agree that that Kurt Schilling would be in the Hall of Fame or should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he will probably get in this upcoming year. But also not surprising that Trump would tweet about Kurt Schilling being a notable Trump supporter, very outspoken, maybe a little bit too outspoken. Uh, but I think it's kind of funny that Trump tweeted that. Yeah. Why does he really care? I don't yeah. know. Like I, you said. Uh, and he, he also mentions uh, fan favorite Pete Rose uh, in a tweet from 2015 saying, can't believe Major League Baseball just rejected at Pete Rose 14 for the Hall of Fame. He's paid the price. So ridiculous. Let him in. And with the with the famous exclamation mark again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this one's more controversial. But uh, but of, I'm not surprised that Trump would support Pete Rose. I would guess that Pete Rose supports Trump probably. They had some sort of conversation and uh, and... I mean, I know they're just random, bold, controversial take by Trump. What's new, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. 
Yeah, and he also recently tweeted about the Cleveland Indians name change. Oh no, what is going on? This is not good news, even for, quote, Indians. Cancel culture at work. Uh, and this, of course, happening when the Indians did announce that the name was being changed. Trump not being a supporter of the name change, unsurprisingly. Uh, but regardless of what you say about it or what you think about it, I, I don't really know why Trump cares about the Indians name change. But of course he does because it's Donald Trump. Of course. We did find one tweet that was actually like a respectable respectable tweet that didn't have like a hot take. Uh, and back in 2012... Uh, I, I guess it's hard to have a hot take on a guy like David Wright. Uh, Trump tweeted, congratulations to David Wright on signing a long-term extension with the Mets. David is an exceptional player and person. There's not much you can say against David Wright. Uh, it's unfortunate that his career was ridden with injuries, um, but definitely seemed like a fan favorite uh, and hard to say bad things about him, I guess. Yeah, for sure. He actually released a book uh, called Captain... And I just got it a couple days ago, and I'm actually going to start reading it pretty soon. So I think he had a an un, very underrated career. He was on a Hall of Fame trajectory until the back injuries derailed yeah. his career. He only retired two years ago, actually. It yeah. feels like a lot longer than that. But he, and yeah, and he's also 38 years old only still. Uh, so he could be playing. But yeah, a surprisingly not very bold take from Trump. And um, Trump also, you know, usually we say that. When I, when I go to the game, the Brewers always lose because you seem to remember that. But of course, Trump has the opposite effect. I'm going to the at-Yankees game tonight to root them on. They always win when I am there, which I think is is very Trump-esque to tweet. Yep. Uh, that was in 2012 in a playoff game. Yeah, and the, the Yankees actually did win that game. So I guess Donald Trump was right. They were playing the Orioles, so maybe not too surprising uh, that they won that game. Although the Orioles were actually pretty good in 2012. Yeah, Orioles won 93 games that mm -hmm. year. Um and had Jason Hamill on the mound. Not sure what that really says. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was like a, an average major league pitcher. Yankees probably had druggy A-Rod playing that day, too, even with his bad hips. He actually wasn't playing that day. Oh, surprising. He was not in the starting lineup. Yeah. Uh, but they did have, of course, Jeter. Ichiro was on the Yankees at that time. Oh, yeah. And, and Trump thought it was a great thing that the Yankees traded for Ichiro back in 2012, right. for he what did, it's worth. Did say that. Um, and then, but then lastly, wrap it up or cap it off with, uh, with probably the most unsurprising tr Trump tweet. He said, I played football and baseball. Sorry, but said to be the best baseball player in New York State. Ask Coach Ted Dobias. Said best he ever coached. That was a really confusing uh, uh, tweet. Um, but Trump claiming to be the best baseball player in New York State and the best that he ever coached, that his coach ever coached. So um, I would say we should probably take his word for it. Naturally. Yeah, better than, yeah. Better than any other guy <laughs> from New York ever. Um, yeah, so Trump, thinking he's the best president, also thinks that he was the best baseball pl player back in his heyday. Uh, whether that's true, um, probably neither of those are true, but we'll keep politics out of it. Uh, kind of funny to look back at some of Donald Trump's uh, best and worst baseball takes. And who knows, maybe we can uh, pull some great Joe Biden tweets in, uh, in, in yeah. his, after his uh, yeah. four-year term. We'll see. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one. I don't know if Biden will be as opinionated about baseball. A lot of these Trump tweets came before he was president, right. but of course he didn't change any of his ways when he became the president. Uh, and then lastly, we're just going to talk about uh, an NL Central trade. Uh, the Pirates traded Josh Bell to the Nationals, got a couple mid-level prospects in return. Bell had a very good first half in 2019 and then really tapered off down the stretch, was not a very good player. 
Um, I, to me, he's just kind of an average first baseman. Had a bad year again in 2020 in the shortened season. Nationals are, of course, banking on him being the player he showed in the first half of 2019. We don't really know if he will be that player. Nationals didn't get much production at first base. And I know a lot of Brewer fans were talking about, should the Brewers have paid that price for uh, for Josh Bell? To me, I think that, that the return they got was kind of similar to if the Brewers traded, say, maybe Tristan Lutz and Aaron Ashby. So two decent prospects in the system. I guess at first my initial reaction was the Brewers should have gone out and got him, but I actually would would kind of retract on that. I don't necessarily think that the Brewers should have. He comes with, I think, two years of control, and he's, he's an average first baseman with a little bit more upside switch hitter, but I don't think that you have to pay that much for an average first baseman in the current market that we're in. There are a lot of average options on the market, and even a platoon at first base is usually pretty feasible, so I think that the Brewers will end up going that route. Yeah, I would generally agree with you too. We talk about, we looked at, actually, if you haven't listened to the last episode, uh, feel free to do so right after this episode. We talked about some potential first base options, both both on the free agent market uh, as well as the trade market. But even a guy like Eric Thames, I mean, we saw Thames put up some pretty decent years with the Brewers. I think Thames, although his ceiling is not as high as Bell, Bell, I believe, was an all-star in 2019, uh, I think as a pretty similar option, and Thames may even be a little bit more of a consistent uh, option at first base, and I agree. I, I think giving up uh, two decent prospects wouldn't necessarily be worth it for a Brewers farm system that is not exactly very strong at this point. Yeah, that that's kind of where my thought process would go too. Uh, but Nationals were able to pick him up. Of course, weakens the Pirates a little bit more, and they traded him when his value wasn't really that high. I don't think that this was the best time to trade Bell, but of course, that's what the Pirates ended up doing, and he probably was one of their best players, if not their best player. So Pirates looking to be a, a, probably a 100-loss team this year, which I guess helps the Brewers a little bit, but it also helps their competitors. Right. Uh, so we'll see how the NL Central shapes up. All we really know is that there will be a few teams competing at the top, and the Pirates will be at the bottom. Yep. I would say that's really all that we know at this point. The other thing that we know is that we will have you covered all of the next season, uh, every week, just like we have been for Season 1. So... Uh, just to wrap things up today, our trivia question for today, who is the Brewers' all-time leader in batting average? Jeff Cirillo. That is correct. Cirillo with a 307 career Brewers of batting average. I'm not sure what the minimum plate appearance is on baseball reference, but Cirillo had about 2,500 at-bats as a Brewer, uh, had a long stint with the Brewers, and then actually came back for a year as well. But Cirillo followed by Paul Molitor, Cecil Cooper, Kevin Seitzer, and Ryan Braun coming in at number five. Uh, Braun with a career average of 296, which I found uh, higher than I expected and rather impressive. Uh, it's easy to forget his 2011-2012 years where he was hitting well above 300 um, and making up for some of the more recent years where he was more so in kind of the 270s where we kind of expected him to be. Uh, but yeah, there's a trivia question of the day. Jeff Cirillo, the Brewers' all-time leader in batting average. And just to wrap things up today again, this is our final episode of Season 1. Thank you all for listening. Uh, super happy to be able to do this, and I've really enjoyed uh, building this up. Um, season 2 will be coming out uh, next week, and if you feel so inclined, feel free to uh, click the link in the podcast episode and uh, support what we do and the content that we provide. So, as always, this is Peter and David Go signing off. Go Brewers! Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. 
We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.